welcome to the People Experience Pulse podcast, your gateway to the new frontier of human experiences at work. On the PX Pulse, we're all about elevating experiences, fostering belonging, and building remarkable workplace cultures in a fast evolving world. How can leaders create a culture of equity and organizational excellence, aligning actions with values? Today, Vicki Flyer Hudson and Jeff Bond welcome Janine Lee, President and CEO of Philanthropy Southeast. With over 25 years of experience in nonprofit and foundation leadership, Janine is a veteran strategist and grant maker dedicated to creating a more equitable South through philanthropy. In part one of this conversation, our hosts and Janine explore the evolution of Philanthropy Southeast as an organization committed to driving positive change through equitable philanthropy. Janine shares her own journey in working in philanthropy, how the organization came into the work of equity, and how they embrace virtual and hybrid work environments. The importance of cultivating a supportive culture and prioritizing staff well-being takes center stage, exemplified by the organization's emphasis on personal touches, continuous communication, and demonstrating love for humanity. Join Vicki and Jeff in welcoming Janine Lee to the People Experience Pulse as they explore the power of an inside-out approach to equity and leadership using organizational excellence as a cornerstone for leading change. Be sure to subscribe to the People Experience Pulse podcast on your favorite platform to be notified of part two of this conversation. Are you looking to make your workplace more human? Check out my friends at Cool Leaf. What I love about Cool Leaf is that it helps leaders create connection, engagement, and recognition. You can celebrate team wins, reward colleagues, and have fun with your coworkers. You can build a culture of appreciation and feedback that boosts morale, retention, and performance. Listen to this clip from their podcast, The Great Retention, to hear how Cool Leaf transformed a company culture. We needed a way for people to connect, and there was people who would work together and talk to each other on the phone every day. Uh, who didn't even know them that well, and they had no way to appreciate them. What we liked about Cool Leaf was that there is that social element to it. Cool Leaf gave us an opportunity to allow our people to appreciate others that they worked with on a daily basis, but just never saw in person. Not only did it give managers a tool to recognize their people, but from a culture perspective, it allowed people to connect. And it was really cool as a chief marketing officer to see some of the interactions that were happening on the feed, because that's something that we wouldn't have had if we didn't have a tool like that. Coolleaf also simplifies measuring and improving the employee experience with pulse surveys, rewards, and integrations with your everyday tools. To learn more about Coolleaf and how it can make your work more human, visit coolleaf.com slash try coolleaf. That's C-O-O-L-E-A-F dot com slash try coolleaf to book your free demo today and see how top workplaces use Coolleaf to put their people first and thrive. Hello and welcome to the People Experience Pulse. I'm your host, Vicki Flyer-Hudson, and I am thrilled to have you joining us today. We have a very special episode lined up with our incredible guest, Janine Lee, President and CEO of Philanthropy Southeast. But before we jump in, I want to introduce my co-host for today, Jeff Bond. 
Jeff, say hello to our listeners. Hey, hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here and explore this fascinating world of philanthropy and the impact it's been creating uh, to have exceptional people experiences with Janine. So Janine, just thank you for sharing your gift of time and wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited too. So let's jump right in, Janine. Can you share a little bit about Philanthropy Southeast and how you became involved in philanthropy and what inspired you to focus on creating a more equitable South through philanthropy? Wow. Well, thank you so much for the questions. Um, Well, a little bit about Philanthropy Southeast. Um, The organization is actually a 501c3 nonprofit um, known as a philanthropic serving organization, one of about 36 what we call PSOs around the country. Um, Most of them are state-based. We happen to be multi-state, so we serve 11 states in the southeastern United States. Um, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And our members are, for the most part, foundations. Um, But we have more recently um, expanded that membership to include all types of philanthropic organizations from around the Southeast, but also those that are national, that are committed and concerned about the Southeastern region of the United States. So um, we've been in existence since 1969, so we're 54 years old. Um, And I came in to the organization at its 42nd year, so that would have been 2011, um, as the president and CEO. And I had spent about 21 years or so in philanthropy at the time that I came into this position. So I had worked inside of private philanthropy, family philanthropy, and a public uh, philanthropic organization before coming into serving, if you will, uh, philanthropic organizations. So we have about 330 or so members um, from all across uh, the Southeast and the United States. And, um, And we enjoy a really strong partnership with other Uh, philanthropic serving organizations um, in the country. In terms of uh, how we really came into the work of equity, um, you know, given that we are all experiencing so many uh, challenges and so much polarization and divisiveness around the country, um, and certainly in the South, Um, It had always been something that I had a strong desire to focus on. I knew coming into the organization, I needed to spend some time learning more about the organization, the membership, um, their interests, their desires in terms of learning and education. Um, But after a few years of having really felt like I got my arms around the organization, Somewhere around 2016, I asked the board three questions. What do we stand for? What are we willing to fight for? And are we going to continue to stand by and just give thoughts and prayers? And clearly the answer to that was no. And so we began our journey as an organization building what we now call our equity framework. Wow. 
Amazing. One, yeah, and I know that we will get into a lot of this equity framework because it is a really profound commitment, you know, to to say what do we stand for and, and not being willing to just stand by and offer thoughts and prayers. I love that that perspective. And I kind of want to dive into philanthropy just as a practice within organizations that are forming these foundations and, and using their influence as a force for good in the world. Um, how has Philanthropy Southeast evolved uh, over the years uh, with partnering with organizations to offer this philanthropy in all its forms? And what are the opportunities available for the various stakeholders involved? Yeah, thank you for that question. I would say that when I arrived at Philanthropy Southeast, um, we were predominantly focused on, as a central core, our annual meeting. And that was a really special um, event, much like a conference, um, but it's a business meeting included for the membership where different important decisions are being made and we need the members to um, vote on those decisions. So that's why we refer to it as an annual meeting. Um, but it also provides an opportunity to expose members to various thought leaders, experts, um, including members who are themselves experts in various disciplines and areas of expertise. Um, it, it's fun. Um, we have uh, a number of excursions and opportunities for members to visit uh, within the community to learn more about those communities. And we have uh, a host committee that will um, create dinners and different types of experiences for members. So it's a big meeting. It's over about two and a half days. So we were already offering that. I think we've expanded um, greatly on that and certainly um, improved that annual meeting in many different ways. And we've really tried to identify what the real issues are that are happening um, in the South and across the country in real time and build um, the program around real issues that are affecting uh, people and families and children and communities and educate our members about those issues. Um, but beyond that, we offered um, some really good um, kind of best practice programs and grant making and also um, we occasionally, um, you know, offered some some programming as it related to public policy. Not a lot, um, but we would do something called Foundations on the Hill, where we would take uh, a large delegation of our members to the Hill. Um, over the years, we've certainly evolved our public policy and advocacy work, the advocacy work being the most um, current work that we're engaging in that's more issue-based. So we're committed to things like strengthening democracy and economic mobility and access and health and education equity as an example of some of the things that we've committed to in advocacy. And certainly public policy focus on, focuses on things like the universal charitable deduction or other issues concerning um, philanthropy um, from a defense and promotion uh, perspective. Um, in addition to that, over the years, we've certainly expanded um, quite a number of um, programs for our members, um, one of the most recent being called the Accelerating Equity 
leadership cohort, which brings together um, a cohort of members uh, from all across the, the region, very diverse group of leaders um, that now have the experience of going into three different communities. Um, we just launched it this year. So New Orleans was the um, opening launch where they went into the New Orleans community. And it's a, a experiential based kind of program, but also one where they get to immerse themselves in the community um, that they're going into to learn more about what's happening in those communities. Um, Spartanburg was the second um, we just finished that program a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the next one will be Memphis. And then finally, it will be Montgomery as the culmination with the annual meeting being in, Memphis, uh, in um, Montgomery in November. So that's just another example. But we have so many um, programs that we've expanded, our Family Foundations Forum, our Philanthropy Essentials Program, which is essentially a 101 program for new grant makers um, to get them kind of immersed in uh, philanthropy early on in their tenure. Um, we've got a lot of best practice programs like our CEO Forum, um, our Hall Fellows Program, which is for young leaders um, who are interested in learning more uh, about philanthropy, but also building a network of leaders um, as they move through the process of learning more about philanthropy. So we have quite a number of programs. Those are just a few. Um, and that's how it has evolved over the past several years. I love hearing this evolution because one thing, so Janine and I have worked together for many years and, and I've always seen how good philanthropy Southeast is at adaptation. And speaking of that, as we make this shift to more of a hybrid and virtual work experience, how has Philanthropy Southeast adapted to that to ensure that those virtual environments feel engaging and that members and staff feel a sense of purpose and connection? And are there any specific strategies that have been particularly helpful in this transition? Oh, gosh, that's such a great question. I mean, the pandemic, I think, for all of us was one where we left the offices, if you will, in March of 2020. I'll never forget it. I think it was around the 13th of the month. And we thought we would be back maybe within a couple of months. And we all found ourselves to be, you know, in this longer term kind of remote or hybrid experience. And in those first few weeks, I think we were all just kind of, um, you know, struggling to figure out how can we best serve our members in this new virtual environment. We had not previously offered a lot of online or virtual experiences for members. So we had to really um, you know, learn together and, you know, have a little bit of trial and error and, you know, and a little bit of failure um, in order to finally get our legs and to feel that we could be successful in that space. And I think, you know, our members kind of said it best um, in uh, 2022 during that particular member survey because we were rated higher than we ever had been <laughs> um, in the virtual space 
um, and because we, we uh, survey our members every other year. And in 2022, by that time, we had uh, been quite successful in their eyes. So I think, you know, that says everything to me. Um, but I think one of the things that we did was, like so many groups, we first had to land on, okay, what virtual system are we going to use? And we tried a lot of different things. Obviously, we have, um, you know, Elevate. Um, we tried that. Um, we probably fall back on uh, Zoom more than probably any other uh, system in order to deliver different online programs to our members. Um, we have a really great uh, customer relations kind of management system called Member Connections. Um, so we really had to ramp up communications to our members in a really um, special way in order to ensure that members were well informed. Um, we have a great e-newsletter that goes out on a weekly basis and we communicate very often and well there. Um, you know, we had to figure out how are we going to support the staff? I mean, you know, the staff needed support not only for this new virtual experience, but also just financially. We wanted to make sure that we supported them in um, providing uh, technology support, financial support for uh, for their phones, for their technology systems at home, for their internet. Um, so we set up a system to be able to, uh, you know, reimburse staff, you know, on a very regular basis. Um, in fact, quarterly basis to help support them financially um, around that. And, you know, we wanted to ensure that we had strong listservs for our members so that we could um, have different groupings of members, whether they were CEOs, whether they were community foundation leaders, um, whether it's family foundation leaders, just so many different categories of members that could communicate also with each other, with our support. And, um, and we've got really great tools like lending libraries. We created an equity hub um, we created an amazing lending and resource library, a research library for members so that they would have access to various tools and resources um, at their fingertips. Um, and so those are just a few ways that we kind of ramped up our ability to really deliver um, in an environment that was so new to us. Mm. I love how in that it seems like they're there's a central component of bringing people together, of connecting people, stakeholder groups. And I believe that one of the, the great equalizers out there is how we can serve others. And philanthropy gives that kind of binding to a group of people uh, to come together around a higher purpose. And so I, I'm really curious, specifically for our listeners of people experience leaders, who are looking to connect uh, people within their company, their culture, particularly with these distributed teams, what insights or advice would you offer to them uh, if they are looking to use philanthropy within their organizations as a way to, to create connection and enhance their culture? Yeah. Well, you know, culture is so important. And so I would say, you know, attend to that, attend to culture as much as you do to the the work and the outcomes that you're hoping for without attending to culture. 
I'm not sure that we could be nearly as successful as we have been. And for us, the relationships and the connections and those personal touches are so important um, because we are a, a membership association. We care deeply about our members. We care deeply about our staff and our board. And we wanted to make sure that through all of the work that we did, even in a virtual or a hybrid space, that we were demonstrating that. And um, so, you know, just as an example in terms of culture, um, we work really hard when it's, you know, whether it's board or staff birthdays or whether it's members that might be having a special occasion or, or sadly, even a death in the family, that we acknowledge that, that we'll send flowers, we'll send food, we'll send cards, we send our condolences, we make personal calls, we send personal notes. I mean, there's so many just ways that aren't complicated and very simple that you can reach out to people and let them know that you care about them. And, and we do care. So, you know, whether we're hearing something on a conference call, I always note it. If I hear that, you know, a member had a family member pass or a child graduate from high school or college, you know, um, and then I'll ask our membership, um, vice president to send something to that member or to send a personal note or I'll write a personal note. So those things are very important. I just think that, you know, we've all heard the the saying that culture eats strategy for lunch or for some breakfast, and it does every single time. Um, it's really true. And um, I think attending to that is very important. And that brings kind of the life into the work. I mean, that's the heart of the matter. That's the essence of all of it. And, you know, in philanthropy, you know, philanthropy really, you know, stands for um, the love of humanity. And to me, if we're not demonstrating that, what are we doing? You know, if we can't show that, that love of humanity with our staff, with our board, with our members, what, what are we, what are we here for? And uh, so that's very important. And how we treat people, how we interact with people, um, that's very important to me as a leader. There's almost a phrase that's coming to my mind hearing you, Janine, and that is philanthropy within, that you are practicing it both externally to your members, but also within the organization. And you're letting that spirit of philanthropy start with your own organization and then kind of come outward to the members. I don't know if that resonates, but yes, that's just it, what came so, to mind. It so resonates. And, you know, there's so many things about even our equity framework that, um, that are kind of a demonstration of leadership, as you said, uh, Vicki, from the inside out. And so not everything that we do is necessarily uh, a training or a program or something that we're delivering to members, but everything that we do is an opportunity for us to demonstrate, for us to kind of uh, show up and live out the values that we are trying to emulate, you know? And so I feel like that's the opportunity. It's, you know, we can't put everything in a package or everything in a program, but we can certainly walk the talk 
that we are trying to demonstrate. As an example, you know, one of our pillars as an organization is really focused on organizational excellence. And so that's a place to me where we have the greatest opportunity uh, kind of leading from the inside out to demonstrate how are we doing this work? How are we showing up as a staff, as a board? And our members see this, you know, whether we're demonstrating it through uh, the way that we handle uh, financial health and sustainability, or whether we do it through how we handle, um, you know, employees and our employee um, values and guiding principles in our handbook. And so we've literally taken the time in the last few years to literally go through our employee handbook. We're taking it to our board in September, and we wanted to make sure that it really reflected everything that we say that we stand for, all of our values, our equity framework. We wanted to make sure that it did that. We're doing the same thing with our uh, performance uh, review system. Our performance evaluation system has been mostly kind of management by objectives, which isn't necessarily unusual for a lot of organizations, but we're really moving to more of a competency-based model. And so that's another thing that we'll be taking to our board for approval before the end of the year and beginning that new competency-based model, which also aligns with our equity framework beginning in 2024. Um, So those are just a couple of examples um, of how we've tried to uh, change our own behavior, our own language, our own way of um, adapting. Um, And then we're open and very willing to share all of that with our members. Amazing. This is absolute gold for people experience (laughs) leaders. And Janine, thank you so much for your valuable insights. And this wraps up our conversation for today. And we will make sure to include more information for listeners to follow you and learn more about Philanthropy Southeast in our show notes. And Janine, we're excited to continue our discussion in the next episode where we will explore your excellent perspectives on mental health, work-life balance, and fostering a people-first workplace culture. So we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another insightful episode of the People Experience Pulse. We hope the words shared in this episode have inspired you as much as they've inspired us. Now the real challenge begins, putting what you've learned into practice. The change you create, no matter how small, could be the spark that ignites an exceptional people experience in your organization and beyond. If you found value in today's conversation, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us deliver high value content and reach more listeners like you. You can find other inspiring episodes and additional resources at our website, thepxpulse.com. Join our community at thepxpulse.com. Thank you again for joining us on the People Experience Pulse. Until next time, remember, the heartbeat of any organization is its people. Let's make every pulse count.